The Lord of the Rings, Gollum video game, and more coming up on today's episode of The Latest in Tech News. Hey, Gadgeteer, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's only 3-in-1 show on tech, gadgets, and gaming news. That's right, this is The Latest in Tech News. My name is Taylor Merrick, and if you're new here, hit that follow or subscribe button right now so that you don't miss out on the next episode. We uh, try to do this on the regular around here. Now, if you're wondering, why do you take such a break in between episodes? Why isn't this daily as it should be? Well, <clears throat> I do this part-time in my free time. If this was a full-time gig and I was paid to do this, I can guarantee you you'd be getting your shows on the daily. I might have a script producer um, or a script writer. I'd have a producer. I'd have a whole team of people helping me on the back end and and uh, and marketing and everything else instead of just me. Um, so in the interim, you have me. Um, so there might be an interim of shows... <laughs> It might not be as often as you'd expect it to be, but it's it's okay. I try to get the news out to you as best as I possibly can, and uh, if you're enjoying the content, be sure to let me know, either on Twitter, at Tech News Gadget, or uh, on the chat, if you're watching via Twitch, or uh, on the comment section if you're watching via YouTube. By the way, if you want to catch the news on the daily, um, what's breaking that day, Tune in Monday to Friday, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on twitch.tv slash technewsgadget, and you get all the goody details and, and videos and everything recorded live for your enjoyment, and uh, some lively banter that happens afterwards. Um, currently, it's been me, myself, and I. We make a great company. Um... We all really agree on a lot of stuff, um, so I'm kind of looking for some disagreements. So if you have a different opinion and you disagree with me on something, I'd be uh, happy to have a conversation with you on the, in the chat room on Twitch after the show. We've got a big lineup of uh, content to go over today. I know that I was going to be talking more about the uh, next Batman game coming out. Oh, and I gotta say, I watched a trailer drop over the weekend. I'm pumped. Um, so we'll be getting to that shortly, but the uh, main story that we'll be taking a look at is The Lord of the Rings, Gollum. Yes, a new video game coming out. Lord of the Rings, you know me, I like anything Lord of the Rings or Batman related, um, or any just good, decent story playing first play single player kind of game. I don't really like the multiplayer, I, I'm weird, um, but I like any video games where I can just dig into the story. I can enjoy the action. I can enjoy the story. And, uh, you know, go on from there. I'll also be taking a look at, well, people are currently debating the PS5 and what the price will be. Could it be doomed if it comes in at $600? I'll be taking a look at that. We'll also be taking a look at, uh, well... Watch out, Apple. The same mistake destroyed Microsoft in 1998. It's actually quite an interesting read. I'll only be going over a little bit of it, but uh, Apple lovers and Apple, beware. Um, you might be prepping to shoot yourself in the foot a second time. Um, first time was obviously firing Steve Jobs, but uh, don't worry. You guys learned from that mistake. <laughs> we'll also be taking a look at Apple opening its first floating store in Singapore, so that's quite impressive. Um, Gadget News will be taking a look at a new Nintendo Switch model be launching next year, according to a new report. 
We'll also be taking a look at PUBG Mobile getting a big 1.0 update and a 2 million esports um, kind of gig to go along with it. So that's going to be interesting. We'll also be taking a look at League of Legends World's 2020 dates revealed for each stage during the, uh, obviously, championship finals coming up for League of Legends. We'll also be taking a look at uh, Gotham Knights. Hint, hint, it's not a continuation of the Arkham series, but they played you so good right into that. <clears throat> oh, what? Hush, hush. Uh, we'll also be taking a look at Marvel's Avengers, the launch trailer, but... Uh, with that out of the way, let's head on over to today's feature story. Yes, yes, so lots of articles. Um, not a lot of time to cover it in. I'm wondering why this isn't showing up. Thank you, IGN. Um, obviously, this article comes to us today from IGN, but it's taking a look at the Lord of the Rings, Gollum, a Prince of Persia-like stealth game with a branching narrative. It's actually quite interesting. They do have a one-minute teaser trailer to go along with it. We won't be watching it, but I will have it linked in the show notes for you guys. But uh, the Lord of the Rings Gollum will mix Prince of Persia-like stealth action, feature a branching narrative, and expand on the hints given by J.R.R. Tolkien about the steward formerly known as Smeagol to create a brand new Lord of the Rings story that aims to fit alongside the books. Datalik isn't showing off any gameplay footage of its 2021 next-gen stealth project, but the game's developers spoke exclusively to IGN about Gollum's mixture of stealth action and interactive narrative gameplay, how they're expanding on Tolkien's original fiction, how they tried to create a version of the character you'd actually want to spend time with, and more. So this is a nice, juicy article. Um... I'm not sure if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. I know I am. Um, I enjoyed the last Lord of the Rings games that came out recently, and I believe that was over um, uh, Shadow of Mordor. So I I enjoyed those series of games very much. I kind of like the uh, little angle that it went with, and the little ending that it kind of took itself off into, which is which is fine for me. I mean, it's not like, oh, but this wasn't in a book. They just went off and made their own story. Well, duh. They went off and kind of made their own story and tried to make it as true to maybe how the book would be if there was one written about it. So now we actually get to see a, a look at uh, Gollum. Uh, and they do have a CG teaser trailer giving you a better look at this take on Gollum and the Mordor he finds himself stranded in. So... Gollum will be a game broadly spent in two distinct states, either stealthily making your way past the various hulking threats living in Mordor, and making narrative choices as the warring personalities of Smeagol and Gollum fight for control. The former should be familiar to many. The game mixes stealth with vertical climbing parkour, explains lead game designer Martin Wilkes. If you want a reference, you might think of, think of it as similar to Prince of Persia, Mostly non-combat, but Gollum will be able to stealth take out enemies. However, it will not be easy and always comes with big risks. We want players to carefully weigh these encounters. After all, Gollum's strength lies in cunning, not combat. And yes, they do have pictures that go along with it. They focus on cunning over combat 
means you won't be directly taking on enemies. Instead, you'll be relying on scavenged items, environmental hazards, and even newfound friends for help. Wilkes continues, Gollum doesn't use weapons, but he can distract enemies with throwables. In parts of the game, he'll also profit from the abilities of special allies and can use the environment to his advantage. The mention of special allies is interesting. Will we be meeting familiar characters along the way? Well, you will, says lead narrative designer Tillman Schnacken. Uh, I'm sorry, I probably ner- murdered the name, but uh, Tillman. Uh, we can't wait to talk about it, but it's still a bit early for that. Keeping in mind the scope and timeline of our narrative, we have to closely consider who Gollum would be able to meet, where, and when. This means, for the most part, they will play smaller, but in some cases very significant roles in the gameplay. And then they go over some of the narrative gameplay um, some options. They, there's apparently a Gollum side and a Smeagol side. Um, you You'll always either play a Smeagol or Gollum as the dominant persona, and that can influence animation, soundscapes, certain gameplay situations, and in-game dialogue. And yes, I just had to scratch the back of my head, because just, man, looking at the hair on Gollum's head made me want to scratch my head. Um, okay. <laughs> Obviously, it's not finished yet. It's still being worked on. Um, but it's quick to make it clear that it won't be changing source material. This is a prequel to the Lord of the Rings books, meaning Gollum has to reach a set place by the end of the game, but the journey there can change. We naturally stay within certain limits. It won't be like you're going to end up destroying Middle-earth because you never made a Smeagol choice. In the end, of course, Gollum's fate is pretty much determined by the books, but your decisions can and will have effects, for example, for other NPCs in the game. Some decisions will have a bigger impact, others very little, just as in real life. And then to go over more of the level design and structure and looking at some of the images. Oh, man. Looking good. Um, they just talk about the look of the world itself. Um, they pulled some ideas from the books, from Peter Jackson's movies that he did. And then uh, the story itself, well... We start our story parallel to the first book when Frodo is still in the Shire and knows nothing about anything. Gollum at that time ventures to Mordor, still desperately searching for Bilbo Baggins and the Ring. Unfortunately, he gets caught by Sauron's servants, and this is basically where our story begins. Gollum's overall goal in the game? Well, it's a bit more complicated. Obviously, he wants to escape his captors, retake the Ring, hopefully get his hands on some nice fish along the way. After some time, though, the Smeagol side causes trouble and distractions and opens up new conflicting goals that we can't talk about just yet. But, yeah, they are... Sticking close to it, they do have screenshots that go along with it. It's actually quite a, a quite an interesting game, I, I gotta say, so far. Looking forward to it. What do you guys think? Are you looking forward to the next Lord of the Rings game? Let me know down in the comment section or on Twitter. We are at Tech News Gadget. All right, moving on to the next article we got lined up. Would the PlayStation 5 be doomed priced at 600 US dollars? Well, according to the author here, yesterday they asked the above question about whether or not a high $600 price point would doom the Xbox Series X. And uh, then they also had people asking them if the opposite was true. Would the same price similarly risk mangling the launch of the PlayStation 5? Well, let's explore that question today. Their general sense is that between Sony's current lead gen, Microsoft losing Halo and Series S, and PS5 underpricing a potential $600 Series X, yeah, that would be pretty devastating for an Xbox. 
For Sony, well, I don't think that would be a good price. I do think they're at less of a risk going higher than Microsoft would be in the same situation. Why? Well, there's a number of factors. Uh, namely, I don't think you can underestimate Sony loyalty at this point among PlayStation owners. Those who invested in a PlayStation for this past generation generally feel like they got a good value for it, um, with the money year after year of must-play exclusives, and between a cheaper launch, $400 versus the Xbox One at $500, and all those games, Sony retained over a 2-1 sales lead over Xbox the entire generation, and even the 1X arriving with a clear power edge didn't even change the dynamic. So, as such, Sony fans would generally be willing to pay more for PlayStation 5 compared to Xbox fans or potential buyers being asked to pay $600 for a Series X. And that's even if the Series X was more powerful. And that's quite a good position to be in, and I think Sony knows it. But then there's another factor, the idea that if the $600 is the absolute limit for any new next-gen console, and that at least one PlayStation 5 version has to be priced below that, while the Xbox is split between the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S, even if that price gap is $200, say split between $600 and $400, the trade-off really here is performance. You're losing the power edge, not just to the higher system, but likely to the PlayStation 5 as well. But Sony's two PlayStation models? Well, the only trade-off really here is a disk drive. If the max price for a disk drive PlayStation 5 is $600, then the digital-only PlayStation 5, which they're suspecting is going to be hugely popular, has to be priced under that. Maybe 550 or 500 likely. So while the Series X could potentially hit $600 in many analysts and fans' minds, it's pretty much almost impossible to imagine that at least the digital PlayStation 5 will be priced that high. But uh, yeah, it'd be uh, kind of interesting. They do have more exclusives down the road. Xbox has their exclusives coming down the road in 2021, maybe. Although. Hearing some uh, troubling rumors and questions on that part, um, they have problem in development. Apparently, the rumor is they could get it released sooner if they drop development for the Xbox. It's unbelievable. Halo, uh, Xbox exclusives. Okay, but that's another story for another time, but uh, yeah, um... Sony fans, meanwhile, can pretty much bank on things like God of War 2, the next Naughty Dog project arriving and being pretty good. Um, and finally, PlayStation 5 has the added selling point of, well, being kind of a mandatory purchase in ways that the Xbox Series X is not. Microsoft has made it clear that its exclusives like Halo Infinite will continue to work on Xbox One for at least the next few years. And even if that stops happening, Microsoft is also putting all of its games on PC as soon as they arrive. Sony, meanwhile, doesn't appear to care about asking people to buy a new console to play the newest games, nor do they release their exclusives on PC in anything approaching a short time window. Microsoft may get the uh, pro-consumer card here, but the fact is, it makes the Series X less of a required purchase than a PlayStation 5 at best. Fact is, you can buy a PlayStation 5, buy a Game Pass for the PC, and literally not need an Xbox at all. And that is the difference. So, um, what do you guys think? Are you okay if the PlayStation 5 um, comes in at that price? Kind of maybe around that price? Are you are you excited about the next Xbox console coming in around that price or not? Or maybe a different price? I don't know. Kind of speculation right right now. Um, 
don't have anything determined. We have a lot of rough estimates going out about what prices might be of the two models. Um, just generally figuring that the um, two models would be like disc only and um, digital only. So that would be interesting. I'm maybe more interested in probably the digital only because I really don't mind downloading it to the computer or to the PlayStation playing in that, that way or going on a computer and playing a video game that way too. So um, let me know your thoughts down in the comment section if you're watching via YouTube. Otherwise, we are on Twitter. We are at Tech News Gadget. Now, what's this about uh, being able to watch the show? Well... You can. You can watch this episode right now over at youtube.com forward slash tech news gadget. And uh, this article that we're about to get into is kind of a meaty one. I'm only going to kind of scratch the surface on it. It goes out uh, a little bit more, but it's it's from Forbes. Um, but it basically says, watch out, Apple. The same mistake destroyed Microsoft in 1998. You remember when Microsoft used to rule personal computers? Well, it was in the 90s. 9 out of 10 computers ran on Microsoft Windows operating system. Microsoft flagship programs like Word and Outlook were a staple in every office. And for most people, its browser, Internet Explorer, was the only gateway to the Internet. There were a few alternatives because Microsoft used its OS Monopoly to bully its competitors out of business. For example, Microsoft famously killed browser pioneer Netscape when it forced computer makers to sell Windows bundled with its copycat Internet Explorer. So in 1998, the U.S. Department of Justice ordered a breakup of Microsoft's Monopoly. In the end, Microsoft reached a settlement but had lost most of its powers in computer software. Gary Reback, one of Netscape's attorneys, said Microsoft could have killed Google in its crib. The same is true for Amazon and Facebook, but it didn't because it was concerned about antitrust enforcement. And for the next 15 years, mind you, Microsoft stock went nowhere, as you can see below. And see, this is kind of why you'd want to watch on video. You actually, you can see this graph. Um, it started out in 1999 at like a high point of almost $60 a share. And then it kind of like dribbled down between 2000 and 2007, bounced around between 40 and $20 a share. And then between 2007, 2009 went from a high of 37 all the way down to 15 and seems to slowly be creeping its way back up ever since then. Um, and the reason we're sharing the story is because Apple is recklessly following in Microsoft's footsteps. As uh, they'll be showing, Apple used its phone OS monopoly to build out one of its most lucrative businesses. Both app giants like Spotify and Epic jumping down Epic Apple's throat, along with um, Microsoft now joining Epic in terms of the Unreal Engine kind of lawsuit end of things, the company may soon be facing a reckoning. Um, iPhone is hands down America's favorite phone. Nearly half of all the phones Americans carry are iPhones. The only problem is, unlike any other phone, iPhone runs on what is known as a closed operating system. <laughs> Unless you unlock it, of course. What that means is you can't add apps to your iPhone from wherever you want. You have to use the Apple App Store. And just like Microsoft in the 90s, Apple uses this power to undermine apps that lock horns with Apple services. Take parental control apps. After iPhone released its screen time feature, Apple quietly rooted out 
related third-party apps on the App Store. A New York Times study found that Apple had removed or restrained at least 11 of the 17 most popular parental control apps. So and then it became a problem. And then they also denied Microsoft's xCloud gaming app from joining the App Store. So Apple's motive here couldn't be more clear. On top of that, the uh, 15 to 30% Apple tax on top of everything app earners make go to Apple. Reckoning is coming. So um, I'm going to leave off this article right here. If you do want to read the rest of it, just head on over to the show notes for this episode over at technewsgadget.net. I don't want to spoil all of it, and I think you guys will like, well, how the article wraps up. And if you do make it all the way to the end of the article, uh, let me know. I'd uh, love to discuss it further. All right. In some interesting uh, news, Apple is opening its first floating store in Singapore. Um, It will be part of the Marina Bay Sands Resort. Uh, They do have a picture here. Um, But if you don't want to like look at pictures and stuff and you're like dude man i'm on a road i'm driving i'm running i I don't have that time i don't want to trip over a branch and then you know scratch my nose um break my glasses in half and then fall down a flight of steps um and break my phone um that i don't have a warranty for well i got you all you have to do is head on over to latestintechnews.com and you can choose the app that you want to listen to the show in. It's available in any podcasting app that you want. Um, podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, Overcast, any kind of podcast app that you currently listen to podcasts to, guarantee you we're on it. Yes, we're also on Spotify, so uh, be sure to listen over there if you'd like. Give us a subscribe and give us a review. So, on with the story. Apple has hundreds of physical stores dotted around the world, serving as stores, repair centers, and community hubs where people can learn to be more creative. Until now, though, none of these glistening Apple meccas have been built on water. And as the Straight Times reports, the company has confirmed plans to open a dome-shaped store near the Marina Bay Sands Resort in Singapore. We don't know when the doors will open, but a spokesperson said it's coming soon. It will be a space for you to explore, connect, and create something new an official teaser site explains um it looks like uh, according to the archie gardner reports the store is replacing a shard shaped crystal pavilion that once housed a nightclub apple has rebuilt the structure with glass panels that will reflect singapore's skyline during the day and uh, glow like a lantern at night and they have a couple pictures that go along with it like the original Crystal Pavilion, it will be connected by a boardwalk and an underwater tunnel that connects to a nearby mall. So this will be kind of interesting. Um, this eye-catching dome will be the third Apple store in Singapore, um, as they have two more. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, kind of interested. It would be a cool place to take a look at. What do you think? Moving on to our next article, the new... Nintendo Switch model will be launching next year, according to a new report. And uh, if you're listening to the show or watching, by the way, and you're like, hey, is there a way that I could possibly just possibly get the news sooner? Well, there is. Head on over to twitch.tv slash technewsgadget at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, Monday to Friday, and you can actually tune in to the show live, watch it, get your news right there, and then you don't have to worry about listening to the podcast, tuning into the YouTube video, looking at the show notes. You'll actually have 
all the uh, entire show right here live on Twitch. So let's hop into the story. Nintendo will be launching a new Switch hardware model early next year, a report citing manufacturing sources has claimed. Taipei-based newspaper Economic Daily News claimed on Tuesday that the new Switch would enter production later this year with a launch planned for Q1 of 2021. And uh, I know we're reading this article right now and you're like, hey, it's only Monday, Monday wrapping up. Well, jump ahead a day in Taipei, it's Tuesday. And now you got it figured out. According to the publication, the new Switch model will feature upgraded interactivity and improved display quality. The report cites various hardware manufacturers responsible for the Switch's flash storage, Joy-Con controllers, and more. Over the past years, several media reports have claimed that Nintendo has been planning a third Switch model in addition to the flagship console and the Switch Lite. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, how that actually sorts itself out. Citing sources from the related supply chain, um, the reporting that the new Switch hardware would enter mass production in the first quarter of this year, launch soon after. The Wall Street Journal also claimed in 2019 that Nintendo is planning a more powerful Nintendo Switch hardware revision with enhanced features targeted at avid gamers. So, um, yeah, it looks like we're seeing a lot of interesting um, updates coming that way. Sales seem to be doing good. Sales seem to be solid. Um, analysts have also suggested that the Nintendo Switch may have a longer than expected life cycle during which it surpasses the Wii's sales total. Um, so it seems to be doing fairly well there as well. Um, but yeah, obviously they need new games and need a new system. So yeah, we'll be, we'll be looking forward to that, uh, hopefully sometime soon. All right, so PUBG Mobile. I don't know how many of you are fans about this, but apparently this is big news. Um, they're looking at a big 1.0 update and a $2 million eSports tournament. Uh, we'll be seeing a matter, major update, as a matter of fact, on September 8th. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds may have been eclipsed on console and PC by, well, other flashier Battle Royale games, but the mobile version of the... Uh, the Seminole Shooter continues to be one of the largest and most successful games on the planet, and now it's getting a 1.0 update that promises huge boosts to performance and other benefits just in time for a planned $2 million esports tournament set to kick off in November. The PUBG mobile team, part of Chinese tech and gaming giant Tencent, says that the 1.0 update is scheduled for release on September 8th, and it will bring up to a 30% increase in frame rate and a 76% decrease in lag, depending on the type of device you're using. The game is also getting a number of visual and design overhauls, including improvements to the main lobby screen and redesigns of parachuting, sprinting, and other in-game movements, um, along with their, their upgrading um, the graphics, including particles, smoke, air blasts, muzzle flashes, scope interaction, uh, upgrades to lighting systems, texture, sky, water, Model and texture quality are also improving, and then starting in November, PUBG Mobile's eSports circuit will start hosting a combined World League and World Championship event called the PUBG Mobile Global Championship that will bring together pro players from the Americas, Europe, South Asia, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, and China to compete for a prize pool of $2 million. Um, but uh, seeing as how there's a kind of a health 
crisis going on worldwide, an on-site audience may not be possible for season zero, is what they're calling it. But if it's safe to do so, the league will begin in late November, taking place across multiple studios. So um, it's actually quite interesting. Um, since it's released in 2018, it's still <laughs> earned... billion in revenue last year. The game now has more than 600 million downloads, 50 million active players, not including a Chinese mainland, where a rebranded version of the game called A Game for Peace reportedly has an additional 150 million active players. So we'll be looking forward to that coming soon. All right, now on to my favorite news of the day. I'm kind of excited about this. Um... They dropped the League of Legends World's 2020 dates, revealed for each stage during a Tencent Esports conference. And I, for one, am looking forward to it. So Tencent had their annual Esports conference, and they covered the 2020 League of Legends World Championship. So from the news article here, Worlds will be starting on September 25th, and the winner will be crowned on October 31st in a Pudong Soccer Stadium. All matches will be played in Shanghai as a safety measure uh, due to the current health crisis. And they uh, have a, uh, a a picture here. It's in Chinese. Um, kind of can't read it. It's kind of difficult. <laughs> but I'll break it down for you. The five stages will happen on these dates. The play-in stage will be September 25th to 30th. Group stage will be October 3rd to 6th. And then October 8th to the 11th. Quarterfinals will be October 15th to the 18th. Semifinals will be October 24th to the 25th, and then the finals will be on October 31st. The World Championship is set to finish early this year. Since it usually ends in mid-November, maybe the Halloween buff can help a Western team finally achieve its first Worlds win since Season 1, maybe? Dot, 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 but that depends on who places and who pl- what and when and where. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually kind of excited about it. I'm looking forward to it actually being when I expect it to end anyways, which is October 31st. Why don't you just keep it then? I don't like it when you end your season in the middle of November. I like it when you end it right in the end of October. Then I can just enjoy the rest of fall, look forward to everything being reset, refreshed, renewed, and then look forward to kind of like the interim of November, December, and then new stuff dropping in then. Um, But apparently... There's a lot of countries canceling events and tournaments due to the health pandemic uh, and the chances of having a world championship in 2020 seem slim. But if esports has taught us one thing, and this is what I'm going to say about it, if esports has taught us one thing, it's that you can have an event anywhere in the world streaming on the internet to anyone else anywhere in the world. And have millions more tune in than you could have possibly imagined watching on the TV and or in person. So if this is done entirely virtual and we're only watching the teams, it's perfectly fine. If you have a small audience, that's fine too. If you have a large audience, that's fine too. I'm fine either way. If you are going to have an in-person event and you are going to have a performance, make it good. I, I enjoy the performances, and League of Legends knows how to do it best. So far, Fortnite seems to be catching up. Other other esports leagues seem to be catching up to that. But if you can have a good event, you'll keep me hooked. Um, 
but regardless of whether people are there, people are not there, all I want to see are the players playing the game, enjoying it, and uh, everyone else can be wherever they need to be, tuning in from wherever they need to be, doing what they need to do, and enjoying the game. So, um, October is going to be a great month for many league fans who will finally get to see their favorite domestic team clash with other international wins. Will this be the year the Western fans win? Or will it be the LCK or the LPL taking home yet another win? Worlds 2020 begins September 25th. Okay, so uh, a bit of sad news here. Gotham Knights is not a continuation of the Arkham series. Darn! Drat! I thought it would be. I love the tie-in that they did, though. Get this. The reason why Gotham Knights is doing this, and I'm not sure if you've seen the trailer or not. I'm not sure if you've seen the official seven-minute gameplay walkthrough or not. You should definitely take a look at both of those. But here's what I will say. I like how it starts out. I like how it kind of ties in, kind of off of what happened with Arkham Knight, or it could be happening in a totally separate timeline. Uh, but then I like how they introduce these four characters. They introduce something outside of the Arkhamverse that we haven't seen before. Um, I just, I enjoy it. I mean, when I saw the trailer, I said, this has the look, this has the feel, this has the action that I expect from a Batman game. If you can deliver and give me that... I will have so much fun with it. I don't even care if it doesn't connect. Is it like connect to the Arkham Knight and continue on after that? It can be entirely something different. Um, but then they dropped the gameplay video, and when I saw the action unfold and what they did, I said, "Okay, yep, you guys got me. I'm sold. Um, please take my money." And then they dropped the uh, end kind of screen, and I was like. I don't want to wait that long, though. So, before I get ahead of myself, let's uh, hop into the article really quick. Though Gotham Knight's name and setting might suggest otherwise, the game is not actually set in the Arkhamverse. It's very easy to assume that the Gotham Knights is a continuation of the Arkham Universe, particularly Batman Arkham Knight. The reveal trailer starts with a posthumous message from Batman, which, though played by a different actor than the mainline Arkham games, suggests the story follows on from Arkham Knight. Developer WB Games Montreal, however, has since clarified that Gotham Knights does not follow on from any existing games and is set in its own DC universe. Um, we confirm that to comic book in a statement. Although it's a little disappointing, it makes sense that WB Montreal didn't want to be shackled with the expectations that come with creating something new in an existing and beloved universe of characters. And in case you missed it, Gotham Knights was revealed over the weekend as a two-player co-op action game starring Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, and Red Hood, who take on the mantle of protecting the city following the death of Batman. Though co-op seems to be the focus, the game can also be played solo. Gotham Knights is releasing sometime in 2021 for PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and the Xbox Series. So, um, the links are in here. They have the official gameplay walkthrough here. You can watch it on YouTube, and I also have the reveal trailer. But I'll make sure that I have all the show notes for um, this episode over at technewsgadget.net. And then you can just click over on the article, watch the videos, look at the pictures, and have some fun. All right, and then this last one, and I know I'm going a little bit over on time, is the Marvel Avengers launch trailer. Let's watch. 
head a thousand times. The Avengers take the ball despite saving the day. We failed him. I believe that we are dangerous. And that's all that I can play of the launch trailer, uh, obviously, because we're short on time. But if you guys want to watch the entire launch trailer for Marvel's Avengers that is coming out very soon, you want to get the pre-orders ready, well, link to this will be in the show notes. Otherwise, uh, I'll probably be covering Marvel's Avengers a little bit more once the release date gets a little bit closer. But uh, definitely looking forward to the storyline here. Marvel's Avengers does not, it, it's completely different, different from the Avengers movies. Um, it, it might have some tie-ins, but it's set in its own universe. It's set in its own timeline, time frame, uh, own storyline as well. So um, looking forward to it nonetheless, and uh, you should too. And if you're not, well, maybe you're watching the movies a little bit too much and should uh, start playing some video games. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Lays in Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes are coming out every weekday as, as best as I can do them. Uh, but really what it means to me support-wise is if you guys leave comments, leave reviews, subscribe, follow the channel. I am trying to make sure that we do this show live every day, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, Monday to Friday on Twitch and then the YouTube, of course, if you want to watch the video and the podcast options as well, as we are on every major platform, the latest in tech news, just search for us there. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by clicking that like button and leaving a comment. Double check that you're subscribed, though. I uh, don't want you to be missing out on the latest episode. I'm your host, Taylor Merrick. Remember, for the latest in tech, gadgets, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much keeping awesome, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>